0: driving hard at the line. Jupo, has he done it? No, it's play on. They go wide. They go wide. They get the try. It's O'Connor for Queensland.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Rugby Fixation. With me this week as we break down the Wallabies and their quest for one win on this European tour is Will Owen, who is the, a writer and a bit of an analyst, I guess, for uh, the Fifteen a new branch of uh, articles coming out with awesome takes on rugby and, you know, nice opinion pieces as well as factual stats and all the good stuff you want to be reading on top of that. He's done stuff for rugby past. He's a co-producer for switch rugby and maybe most importantly, uh, the coach at long Eden rugby football club from uh, your Twitter bio, if, if that's still standing. So I, I think. Um, yes. very imp- yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing that I want to ask is with all that stuff, what's yeah, yeah, most no, rewarding what was oh. the best set of that gig?
0: That's a great question. So I, so <laughs> for anyone listening, we are actually recording this in UK time at quarter, it's for me, it's quarter to midnight. I've just gotten back from coaching my lot. And th- that, that I, I think might be the most rewarding because it's, it's a really good set of lads. You know, if anybody ever asks me what club team I support, my answer is always long eaten. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that probably speaks for itself, you know? Uh, but yeah, no, obviously it's, it's a huge delight, uh, being able to, you know, work with the Squidge channel and, uh, being. Able to write for the 15 rugby pass um, and all of that so yeah no it's all very good and it means watching a lot of rugby and talking about a lot of rugby so yeah it's it's a good position to be in
1: I I think that might be the reason why I'm most jealous of you is I don't have a reason to watch as much rugby as I do I'm not getting paid (laughs) for it there's no benefit on my end it's just yeah here's sure 10 hours I can take out of the weekend for you know yeah (laughs) just yeah pleasure sure Um, Look, One of the key things about this weekend is obviously, as a Welsh fan, um, there's a bit coming up this week because I wouldn't say either Wales or Wallabies have had a tour they'd be super stoked with. I I think there's positives from both and negatives with both. So just before we dive too much into the the preview of the match, um, what were your thoughts on how Wales went against Fiji and I guess just their um, three-match game uh, streak at the moment?
0: Yeah, so looking at the Fiji match specifically to start with, I mean, it's always difficult for Wales playing Fiji and that's why and you can sympathize <laughs> getting drawn in the World Cup pool with so horrible um you know in in 2019 both the Wallabies and Wales really struggle to get past Fiji and um I never like it's it's the one thing that I, I love watching Wales play I never enjoy watching them play against Fiji because that always feels like it's the one where there's pressure on us to go in as favorites invariably every time And we always manage to underperform uh, pretty much every single time. So I hate playing against Fiji, but uh, you know, we uh, Wales did come out of that better than probably the scoreline would suggest um the game went pretty much as anybody would probably expect it to because the the Fiji Fiji team were fantastic I think like the likes of knife and two had really really good games and you know when you've got goes guys, guys like that in, the, in your back line like naturally it's going to be a tough match um and it's it was you know as as tough as it usually is you know and, and thinking about think about the, the tour so far I mean I, th- I think generally Wales should be quite disappointed not to close out that game against the Springboks. I think South Africa showed why they're such a good, such a feared team. But uh, it's, it's one of those things that two years ago or maybe three years ago, or whatever, we, we would have hoped to close that game out. And, you know, it's a shame that we didn't. Uh, there's not too much we can read into the All Blacks game, uh, given... You know that was a bit of a blowout against quite an inexperienced Welsh team, and that's fine because we're only something ahead of a World Cup. So, yeah, this Saturday is going to be a very interesting one.
1: I think um, with the mention of New Zealand game, that's probably the bit that's the most interesting. Is the positive side take just uh, for the Wales perspective is they've had the opportunity yeah. to play Argentina twice without you know all their lions, the opportunity to play New Zealand without a host of their regular starters yeah the scorelines might not be that great in the history books but really is that all a sort of net gain if it sort of pays dividends for the world cup
0: absolutely absolutely i think wayne pivac is actually very keen to develop new players for the world cup i think typically um when when a player for example goes out injured or for whatever reason his immediate instinct is to put in somebody who's less experienced whereas perhaps in the gatland era rightly or wrongly he'd maybe go this is my second choice player. I'm just going to put him in now as our starter for this campaign. Whereas Pivac is a, a lot more likely to experiment and try, you know, sometimes uncapped players or players that he's not seen so much of, and give everybody a bit of a chance. And you know, that that's definitely really good going to a World Cup. That we, you know, we probably have a bit more depth than we did this time four years ago. So it, it's it's definitely an optimistic thing. And you know, the opportunity to play 80 minutes against the All Blacks is unlike anything else. You know, in Test rugby, especially at home. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with your point there that it's it's definitely a positive
1: um and one of the things i have to get off my chest because one one of the hardest things about talking to you now is wales used to be a team i really liked playing because i always thought we were going to win because we had what 13 games maybe in a row and all the games were tight. it was always such a great contest and i thought you know for so many of those matches i I was always excited because like this is a picture i can really get behind and then i mean the 9-6 um result in 2018 obviously Hurt, and I was like, okay, well, that's good to get that out of the way before the World Cup. But actually, sure, yeah, being in the stands for that Wales um, Wallabies game in Japan and seeing the what thirty six seconds it took for bigger to get the drop goal on the board, I thought yeah. this is such a nightmarish task to come up against a Wales team that's just built um, so much into this occasion as you know, really yeah. prime. Has there been much difference between I guess the the Gatland Wales and the PIVAC Wales? Are you, are you liking what you're seeing at the moment?
0: Yes and no, because uh, we I I feel like. There was a few different sort of formations of the the Gatland Wales. I think what it evolved into uh, by 2019 was a team that was willing to see out really gritty performances as wins. And that, that Wallabies game in 2019 was such a perfect example because that was a proper monkey off the back situation because the amount of times that... Australia would come to Cardiff and, and nick the win, you know, it was the Kirtley Beal one. There was a time when, you know, Mike Harris kicked that goal in that second test uh, out in Brisbane. you like, there's, there's so many that, that, that come to mind where, you know, <laughs> Wales have, have lost it at, at the last few seconds so seeing out games like that and you know the france quarterfinal and stuff was great and like i'd love to go back to that but yeah i think the PVAT wales in in theory we thought they were going to be a lot more open i i feel like we've kind of gone back on that idea and reverted a bit more to having a strong kicking game and hopefully you know being able to see out these games that we're now getting quite close for again uh, which is the annoying thing in a way but hopefully by the world cup there, there'll be a bit of a merger of those two Two sort of forms, like the original PIVAC Wales and the final form of Gatlin Wales?
1: <laughs> I mean, all the final form, chat, I, I do like because it's making me flashback to Dragon Ball Z and I think the more that we can relate rugby and Dragon Ball Z the better, you know, if yeah. we can get some sort of yeah. Golden form freezer reference into a, a Welsh team, then I'm all for it but um, look, I, I've really liked seeing Wales develop and I, I did go back and watch all the six nations before this too because I wanted to make sure I could get a, a good grasp of what of so would be coming up against and it's interesting yeah. that Wales and Australia both have this sort of, not the exact same, but a similar situation this year where they've had some great success. Like, obviously, Wales winning the um, Six Nations is massive. That That is yeah. a massive achievement. And then having this sort of mixed form against Argentina and New Zealand, just falling sure. just short of South Africa. And, and Australia beating France in a tight series and not, you know, full strength, obviously, but then also getting five wins on a trot. It seems like both teams have a lot of upside mixed with... Yeah. Just that variability and i'm just wondering like do you see either wallabies or wales as one of those top teams it seems like everyone's talking about new zealand south africa england and france I, we kind of like the underdog status i think Both, so yeah is that, is, yeah is, both
0: of us yeah yeah question that is that's such a good question because like they're both such difficult teams to read like the fact that the wallabies can go back to back against the box and then you know lose to, to scotland and then yeah. get you know like by the standards of to- the very top international rugby a bit of a pasting from england like um so you know they'd expect better of that and like you know i i really like dave rennie's Wallabies team i think that the way that he's evolved you guys from like you know when i think when he the the, the wallabies are a lot better now than they were when rennie first picked you up you know and like there's a lot of really really promising young players that have come into the fold um you know the likes of Vicky and like you know like Parisi coming into the team now Kellaway you know th- those guys are like really really you know and like even people like Valatini and Leotta who are like improving game on game and looking a lot more like established internationals like I feel like the Wallabies are another team who very much have 2023 in mind and I think Rennie is an extremely forward-thinking coach and um uh, you know, but by and large, it's quite a young Wallabies or an experienced Wallabies team. So, yeah, I feel like they're both quite hard to judge at the minute. But come 2023, who knows?
1: And that's why I've been kind of appreciative that both sides have had this chance to experiment because looking at the Wales squad that was in the Six Nations compared to now, I mean, it's chalk and cheese, the number of names that are out. And when you sure. look at names as well, just the number of caps, like when you add up Lee Halfpenny, George North, Hallam Amos... um I mean, Willis, Al Hollow and Watkin don't have a lot, but they're a really good set of centers to be able to use and to yeah. implement in there. Um, but the back row for me—I mean, that's just massive. Between Falatau, Tipuric, Navidi, Lydiate, and uh, Moriarty, oh, most most international teams would have yeah. that as their like touring squad of back rows. That's insane yeah. depth. So
0: like, even Wainwright as well. Like, yeah,
1: it, I, I don't. I mean, I'm still so excited by Tane Basham. I think he's oh, had an awesome last few games. He's tasty. Now. Yeah. And, and Ellis Jenkins, I mean, I think we've missed having him around as well because he looks the real deal as well. So I know that the Wallabies have complained about missing players. We'll get to them soon, but Wales, with yeah. this many people out, um, who, who are you most excited to see get some minutes and you know maybe force their way into that uh, 23 come to the World Cup?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get back to that question, counter question. Hmm. Uh, how well has kind of the news about how good Ellis Jenkins has, is, like, travelled to Australia? How well has that oh. travelled?
1: not a, if i wasn't digging for it on twitter we wouldn't know about it so between right, okay between him basham and probably um is it young the um yeah
0: yeah he's die young's lad yeah Tom. yeah young. yeah
1: um but between the three of them like i've seen enough to know that they're absolute weapons and can deliver but yeah they sure and i wouldn't even say, not, definitely not household names i don't think most of my yeah. mates at watch rugby would know them so it's
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, so it's quite interesting because I would say that the player, the Welsh player, to answer your previous question, the Welsh player that excites me both, most at the minute is Ellis Jenkins because, you know, not only, he's a world-class breakdown operator. And again, that's news that doesn't travel very well because he's been out injured. Um, yeah. And the only times he's really been able to perform the world stage where he's got two man the match performances against the Springboks, uh both in sort of 2018-19 ish before he got his long-term injury and uh not only that the sort of breakdown prowess but his ball skills are fantastic he's a brilliant leader you know great captain for wales and uh apparently he might be co-captaining with john davis this weekend yeah. so um he, he's a he's a player that seriously excites me there's um we've got quite a lot of um second rows out injured and whilst he he probably will be one of those players who's quietly very good but there's a young lad called ben carter who's i think 20 years old has come into the fold got man the match on his debut in the summer and I, I again i don't expect him to set the world alight but he's quietly performing quite well in, in the international stage so far so he's somebody who i think definitely for the future is is an exciting player in that in that wales fold as well as you know the likes of basham as you say who's performed brilliantly so far this autumn
1: I mean, i'm excited by the whole thing the only position i think that was unchanged from six nations is scrum halves they're able to keep the same three throughout which is yeah impressive in itself and I, I think ironically the same as australia having sort of white gordon and mcdermott they've been consistent as well yeah there, there's so many similarities looking at it but the one thing that i envy greatly about wales is ken owens is just an absolute freak to have That's animal isn't he it, yeah. it's really not fair how strong he is and then even if he isn't there to deputize you have got uh elliot d which yeah are great options I don't think there's a standout wallaby hooker. I don't think there's someone we can call them. Mm. I think we've got a lot of six or seven out of 10, um, you know, that sure, all similar yeah.
0: job. Um I think is playing well, but at the same time, he, he is so capable of imploding yeah. and giving away like the dumb penalty that cost your team the game and stuff like that. I think, uh, for example, like Lato, I think, Played very well, sort of around the World Cup before, but mm. we're not hearing as much of him at the minute. I think he's maybe slightly out of form, but you know, you're right, you've got a couple of good options, but not like a world class hooker, you know.
1: And we had the same because so 2019, building into it, we had no hooking options. I think our most capped was either Lato or Fanger with about 12 heading into the World Cup. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and Lato to his credit played out of his skin, it was an awesome World Cup for him personally, but yeah, um. Yeah, I just don't think we have that at the moment, and to to me, that's probably the one area that you know hopefully we can try and capitalise on this week. Given um, Owens won't be there, I don't think D's there. Maybe he's back in the squad. Yeah.
0: Game. So Ken Owens is injured. Yeah, D's been recalled into the squad, but right. I think it's unlikely he'll be able to start the game. So I imagine. And Ryan Elias has improved game on game, and I yeah. think it's probably the best call for them to to maybe start him, see how he goes, bring D off the bench as a bit more of an experienced option. Uh, yeah, I think that's the way they'll go. I think you're right.
1: Um, before we look at maybe some of the players, is there a matchup that you were really excited for this weekend? I know the teams aren't out yet, but is there a, sure. a combination you'd like to see most clash? That's a really good... I, there's
0: two that spring to mind. You mentioned Scrum halves a minute ago. I actually think that... You've got us at scrum halves because Thomas Williams is extremely talented, like the Welsh scrum half. Um, but I, uh, McDermott is probably the most exciting scrum half in world rugby at the minute. You know, mm-hmm. I think like his kicking game is, is outstanding. Like his core skills, like he, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a young Aaron Smith, you know, um, which is extremely high praise. Yeah. Kind kind like say it. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick White is obviously on, on brilliant form um, and is just a general pest, I think is probably the word to use for white. Um, um, and the, the thing is, the rest of the world all rate Gareth Davis a lot higher than all Welsh fans do and Scarlet's fans and stuff yeah. because he does have moments of pure capitulation. So I think that's going to be really interesting because Thomas Williams against, whether it is McDermott or it's White, I think that's going to be a real clash of styles between them and I think that's quite interesting. The other one that I, I was thinking of was... Andrew Kellaway against Josh Adams is going to be seriously tasty because that's Josh Adams for the last sort of three years has been one of the top finishers in World Rugby and just one of the, the best defensive wingers as well in World Rugby. Andrew Kellaway this year has really, really announced himself in the international scene and it makes it look quite easy. The, um you know, the, the way he managed to pop up, his support lines are just fantastic. And, um, I'm seriously excited to see how those two go against each other because, again, there's a, there's a, a small clash there, but they'll both be really, really up for it, and the, the, they're both hitting form. You know, oh, Josh Adams might be injured. I'm thinking. Yeah, the calf strain but, was it? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I've just clocked that now. That's a shame. That's a massive shame. But I really, if hope Liam Williams at... comes in, you know, yeah, uh, it could could point could still stand.
1: And this is the annoying thing is even with the idea of Josh Adams, you know, potentially not being there. It still is door open to have a back three, potentially of Williams, Reece Samet, and McNichol, whoever they choose to go. Yeah. Pull back. I mean, yeah, it's just lightning options everywhere. So massive concerns. But it, on Kellaway, I I like that we've actually persisted with someone that was a young superstar. We didn't throw him straight in there. He actually yeah. earned his um earned his dues going overseas and spending a bit of time mm-hmm. with the rebels and waratars before getting that shot because now I'm delighted
0: like, for him. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's so different to the usual rise of a winger. He normally is 21, he's yeah. lightning quicky. He, you know, gets onto the scene and sure. claps things up. He, he's he's the kind of winger I'd always say he doesn't make the line breaks. He's always the person behind the person that makes the line break. He's very smart. Hundred percent. Yeah. So
0: I'm.
1: Yeah. Can you just see that? I... Oh, sorry. You go that uh, it's just uh,
0: he's had a really weird career trajectory because like he was you know that one of these under 20s prodigies was the top try scorer in the under 20s world cup and then obviously he came to England to play for Northampton. He's gone to Japan and stuff. And it's like, I, I, I hate to say it, but like, I didn't think he was going to happen for a long time. I was thinking, yeah. like, oh, that's a shame. That's a bit of a waste of talent. Like, you know, there's, there's players like, you know, like Matt Mason used to be in your under-20s team who I really looked at and thought like, oh my God, he's going to be like, he's going to play for the Wallabies, et cetera, and now he's off playing MLR and stuff. Like. Yeah. But, you know, I had a feeling that that happened to Kellaway. So like, I'm delighted that you've got, that he's happened. You know, you've got him, him and Colin Bette on the wings is a serious pairing because that's two of the best finishes in the world for completely different reasons.
1: And I think that's what I like is there was a big chunk of time recently where we were playing either Corin Betty and Naibalu or even Henry Spade for a little while. And we just had very similar finishes. This brings a completely different point of attack. Yeah. And, and just on that, does the name Junior Lola Weefy ring any bells?
0: No, I don't think so. Not for
1: me. And, and this is the whole um, <laughs> the problem with what australia's done is he was what we called the ballymore kid um he won some prize in the first year of the nrc where he was the top try scorer in our right, national. Okay. Comp. and so because of that he was fast-tracked directly into a super rugby uh, franchise he played for the reds for a bit i think right. he maybe got two or three caps but it just showed that these guys that might be freaks against you know club sure. level players and you know maybe some super rugby players yeah. Just can't really cut it. I think he's now playing in the NPC. He's spent a bit of time at Manawa 2. But yeah, right. I just thought it was interesting. This player who's hyped up as, you know, the next big thing. Yeah. It's literally the title of the award. And yeah.
0: Remember um Chris, Chris Fai Sautier was his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, who was like, who looked like the real deal at Super Rugby level. And just unfortunately never quite, transitioned that into internationals you know scored a couple of tries i couldn't remember when he did get his chance but like i assume it's that kind of a situation i think he then went down and played in japan or played in the second division or something like that and you know that's fine but it's it's crazy sometimes you get you unearth you know golden nuggets like that i hope i pronounced his name right it's been a long time (laughs) since i saw him play but yeah
1: He's gonna get a chance so, no, He just re-signed with the Brumbies, so that'll be um. I'm oh, glad did he's he? Going, yeah, he's gonna get. Um, so did Jesse Mogg. They're bringing back all the old crew. Which oh wow. Is, um, yeah. Oh
0: wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give Jesse Mogg a recall if Curtly can do it. You know. I mean,
1: honestly, it, it's, it's getting desperate back there. So <laughs> w- w- while we're talking about that, let, let's look at some of the players out. Uh, we've we've mentioned a lot yeah. of but for um for Wales, obviously um, Ken Owens, uh, Will John Roderick Jones, Corey Hill, Alan Winchones, Will Rollins, uh, Tulippe Falatow, Justin Tiferic, Josh Navidi, Dan Lydia, Ross Moriarty. That's just the forwards. Oh, this is, <laughs> it, it's crazy. And I, I think for me, the, the back three as well, with Adams, North, Amos, and Halfpenny potentially out. I know a few of them are maybe a bit past their prime and Amos has retired, but that is so many names out. Are, are you, it is, yeah. With some of those names set to come back, how close do you think Wales are to finding their best 23?
0: oh that's a good question i think uh, if uh, my extremely cheeky answer to your question would be i think we're about two years away but <laughs> um uh, in, in all seriousness i think um quite close quite close i think there's there's a vague idea of a, of a 23 that could go toe to toe with any opposition but whether it's the best one it's one of those things that you can only find out by blooding people you know and again like pvac's very aware of this which is you know the good news but yeah i think that if obviously the goal for wales would be to win a world cup and to to beat these teams in the autumn like south africa the wallabies the all blacks um so you, you know if, if you're if you to set that goal you obviously want alwyn jones you obviously want falatau Tipperick, adams all these big names mm. um the difficulty is obviously you, you don't get that luxury in a World Cup because um, inevitably somebody's always going to get injured. So it's very difficult to judge. Um, I think that Wales's main priority for the time being is find it, finding another sort of 50-odd players that we could potentially have in a, a wider World Cup squad with probably the intention of finding the strongest 15 a bit further down the line. But yeah, that might be a bit of a cop-out answer to your question. but
1: I, I think it's because we've already seen um, in the Dave Rennie era, I've been keeping track. So so far he's called in 78 players into his squad. He's been there for two wow. years. So, and yeah. not all of them got game time, I think it's around 50 or so have got game time, right. a little bit over 50, okay. but I mean, that's obviously trying to whittle down to see, okay, who's going to be the 30 we take. And then from there, you know, what's sure. our best 23, 15, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, just to make sure that the Australian fans listening have excuses, we're going to be without uh, Brendan Panger and Moser, and Luke Ansar, like I loaded, which obviously weren't selected, but uh, Michael Hooper injured, um, missing one of only eight games of his possible That's 123, he could have played. Freakish, man, it's like insane. when
0: hoop is injured, you know it's going badly, <laughs> because that man. I've never known a man who will fly into absolutely everything and yet is just incapable of getting injured. Uh, it's crazy. And to say that this is, yeah, you say the eighth game that he's missed overall. I think it was. I think I read somewhere that it was the third game he's missed fire injury since he made his test debut. What yeah. eight nine years ago, which is unheard of, man. Like, yeah, yeah unbelievable.
1: And, and to be without him and it's a massive blow just in terms of losing a captain, but his work rate, like, I think he's a real, you know, follow me kind of leader. Like they see the work he puts in. People want to lead him. 100%. It's no secret that England piled on a lot of those extra points while he was off the field for those last 25 minutes.
0: Definitely. Definitely. But when I look at
1: the other players missing, like, as we've already mentioned, Corrin Betty, he's, you know, our best winger and he won't be there quite. Cooper has been our best fly half this year, which is a story in and of itself. Hasan karevi miraculously a world player of the year nominee off the back of four starts which just and with no fullback i think that's probably going to be the issue that gets brought most to me no banks hodge or even Pattaya, who's probably my third choice fullback despite yeah i'd
0: I'd love to see Pattaya get a go at 15 for a solid bunch of games i was very surprised in the scotland game when you went with Kellaway at fullback with Pattaya on the wing That, that shocked me a little bit and even um Uh, Even Tom Wright, you know, he's played a bit of club level at fullback, hasn't he? So, you know, I'd imagine he's somebody who could potentially fill in there. But yeah, I think, unfortunately, you're probably stuck with Kirtley Beal for the (laughs) the time being. Um, But uh, luckily, you've got some good options on the wing who will maybe help him out back there. But, you know, he's unpredictable by nature as Beale, isn't he? So you never know how he could go. It could go one of two ways.
1: And and that's what I'm sort of hoping is that he's had one fairly average cameo off the bench, one okay sort of a best start. I'm, I'm hoping this sure, is his yeah. chance to be the, you know, no coach pick me, like I can still provide something and he can yeah. It. But for me, I think the big question I have is if Wales are going to win this test this week, because I do think it's going to be close either way. I think both teams are in a similar position.
0: It's How good, are yeah. Wales
1: going to win? What, what's their best path to win here this weekend?
0: Oh, so I, th- what I would say is if Wales are going to win, they have to dominate up front because they've not really done that in any of the three games, including the f- Fiji one so far in this autumn. Um, or frankly, since the Six Nations. Um, and even though that was, you know, a bit debatable. Um, so Wales are down to their uh, third string tighthead, Dylan Lewis, as well. So that, that complicates things a bit further. So I think if... If the scrum goes well, then you would suspect Wales will play well, but it's difficult because, like, I, I mean, I, I really rate um, Angus Bell, Taniela Tupou. You know the. Um, uh, I, I even like um, uh, James Slipper still going. You know he's obviously a new skipper, um, so it's it's going to be a really tough battle, and I think that. Ultimately, whichever, if one team absolutely dominates the scrum, it'll be difficult for the other to get into the game. You know, that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but I think that given neither team is known particularly as a big scrummaging side, I feel like that is the best way to get on on top of each other's very similar uh, strengths and weaknesses.
1: You know, I have the same answer. And I think the only thing is looking at the Wales team just on paper, I think okay, well, they're missing their best hooker. This is a good chance for whoever we name to, you know, have have a decent crack sure. there. Yeah, um, they're missing two of their best three locks. I'd say. Uh, I I think you know, obviously, Alan Jones being at a massive loss. They still got Adam Beard, yeah. I think. But um, I yeah. mean, this is it should be a chance to try and target the set piece. And my concern yeah. is, the Wallabies are a team that generally play pretty well as a team, but don't dominate any one particular area. So they might sure. have some uh, some nice runs here or there or they might get a strong penalty, but you know, also concede, a few, but they don't generally dominate any area. So I yeah. think if Rennie's hoping for one thing, I think it'd just be that ruthlessness at set piece. I mean, Isaac Rodders come back and just he's looked fantastic. He's looked probably he yeah the pick of the locks um for me just out of that lot. So I'm keen to see how yeah. they sort of shape up there. Um are you expecting and Beard's a good
0: matchup. Uh, yeah. Rodder against Beard because they're both really good at, and to be fair so is Rory Arnold as well they're all they're all really good locks in terms of like defending at the set piece you know like defending yeah. the all and getting those long levers in there I was particularly impressed with Rory Arnold doing that against England who typically yeah. have a very strong line out and maul, and Rory Arnold kind of nullified it at times and super super impressed with him and Rodder both coming back into the fold. That
1: was the thing I kept mentioning because I, I made a post after the match and said a few positives, um, but you know all of these things to work on, and all these Australians were so mad. I was like a few positives, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, actually, if we look at how we repelled the Rolling Mall, if we look at the yeah. performances of Rob Valentini, who keeps you know putting in big shifts, and you know, yeah, I he he's quite- a
0: proven game on the game, as I say, like yeah, yeah,
1: and I nearly like that Hooper won't be here because it means we're both going to be fielding very even if not young very inexperienced back rows by comparison sure, you know, i yeah. don't think i don't think any of our back rows will have over 20 caps if i'm not mistaken yeah. so there's something yeah. nice in that you know this is sort of the next wave of players i'm keen to see how they sort of yeah. come through
0: and it's it's a big building block ahead of you know 2023 isn't it when yeah. you know when we'll both be going hammer and tongue against each other and you know like uh, for me, Michael Hooper is the best rugby player in the world at the minute, and I think that he 100% would deserve to win the Player of the Year uh, nomination, well, the, the, the award that he's been nominated for. Um, so losing him, obviously not only from playing, but as you mentioned earlier, like his influence on the team is obviously massive, and in a way that will always dampen a test match, thinking because you want to play against the best and you want to play with the best. But you're right. that uh, Who do you reckon would, would jump into the seven jersey?
1: This is the interesting thing. I think I was really hoping it'd be Pete Simon. I know he's been the makeshift seven off the oh, bench. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I've not but, seen him play seven before. Well, he hasn't started at seven since 2017, I think, yeah. for the Crusaders. Right. So it's been oh, a okay. long time. Um
0: Yeah.
1: And really it's only when there's other people that aren't there like he he'd prefer to play eight then six right then yeah. probably 20 and then seven so yeah, it's, you
0: say, yeah second row you know yeah. yeah that's quite interesting but that's if if you go with him liotta and Valatini, like that's a huge back row to cope with and yeah. it, you'd it, you can you can see it one of two ways but one of them is like that's a lot for you know jenkins Basham to cope with yeah. on the other hand if you're Ellis Jenkins, you're licking, those, you're licking your lips at that breakdown opportunity, you know, because he's the biggest jackal threat on the field. Now Michael Hooper's not playing. It's a huge opportunity for him. So it's there's two ways you can look at that, uh, especially yeah. if, if Samu does come in at seven. That's going to be super interesting.
1: I, I think that's also caused me to... Like, if I was picking a team, I'd be getting Tolu Latu straight in the starting team. I know he hasn't been playing amazing, but he is a okay. real yeah. sort of fetcher presence and loves sort right. of disrupting rucks. Um, yeah. I think if there was, you know, I mean, we don't have another seven other than Colby Finger in the squad and to make right. his debut this this week, yeah. um, it does it's seem... It's been like around a, a while Yeah, uh, Colby and
0: has. I, I rate him a lot, to be fair. He's a very good fetcher.
1: He's a great player and it's one of those situations where I wish he'd sort of stayed in the team or the circumstances were different because he could have earned the jersey a very different way. It does seem...
0: Man, he should have so many caps. He's better yeah. than both of his brothers. <laughs>
1: I think that's the saddest thing is to be the best rugby player in your family like yeah Anne and Sia, they really uh just locked out yeah. in the positions yeah I mean, this,
0: was, um me and my brother have done a lot of uh a lot of sledging uh of uh anthony Fanger, or finger or ant finger as we call him <laughs> our own pod um yeah liam, liam gill as well yeah you're right he, he was to be fair he was a very good player he was yeah. but um yeah yeah man like he's super unlucky to not have a cap yet this should be his time to do it surely
1: I mean, this would be great. And if he does get a start, I I don't know if, um, you know, you'll still be doing dick of the days for, you know, current <laughs> tests. But if he does start, I can nearly guarantee he wouldn't get it because he's just one of those grafting sort of work rate yeah. players that does all this stuff. That... Very good player. I
0: rate him very highly.
1: Uh, the, the scary thing, oh, I've heard one uh, call from a, a journalist, that, you know, is sort of in the nose saying that Swinton is actually a decent uh, chance to start. And then right, say what okay. jersey he'd wear. But Yeah, maybe, I see him playing seven. It, it could work. Like, he is abrasive. I don't think he's got the best um, ability to turn over ball necessarily. Yeah. But he's not I mean, the most
0: technical player, is he? But, no. You know, you, you feel he'd definitely bring it physically. Oh, uh,
1: he's, yeah. It's sort of like someone's trained a brick wall how to run. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, just go hit things hard. If you can crash and sort of make a tackle that's lower than uh, chin, that's good. But, you know, sure. it's just, yeah, yeah. I'm keen to see what they do, because again, that is massive to lose him. And I think Dave Rennie's come under a lot of fire for not bringing a fully equipped squad. So leaving uh, Fraser McBride and Harry Wilson at home, for example, just to work mm. on their uh, club team and yeah. just get some prep there.
0: You feel for Wilson a bit, because this would be a great opportunity. for I I, I, don't, I think it's quite smart by Dave Rennie to do that. And obviously with Noel um originally, Um to, to to give them a chance to improve and then you know it's it's a nice little comfort blanket for the wallabies you know if then yeah. if you lose a game you think oh that's fine because in the world cup we're going to have harry wilson um yeah and yeah fraser mcwright's another really good one who, who probably would jump straight into that seven jersey you'd imagine if if he was on tour but yeah. uh i suppose Swinton's not not by any stretch a like for like for either um, Hooper or McWright, but he, I think he's probably quite a comfortable fit to to take a different kind of description of an open side flanker.
1: And I, I think that's what I like is this does give the opportunity to trial a situation in which you might be put in the World Cup playing without your captain and best player, see what you can do with the limited resources, and see how it comes there. I think we saw Ben McAlman play seven uh, against Ireland in the 2011 World Cup as a result. Yeah, yeah,
0: a... we covered that one. Yeah, <laughs> of course, on M- our pod. N-
1: mixed results on that one, but... um, Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, I think one of the last things I just want to touch on um, before we sort of make a selection of who we think will win in a margin was fly half's an interesting position for both teams in that if we look at, I guess, um, Ant's and Bigger for Wales and Cooper and uh, James O'Connor for Australia... Yeah. Uh, four really good fly halves, four completely different skill sets, but four players all in their 30s and, you know, a chance to play the World Cup, but, you know, maybe someone else comes along. Sure. For you, you personally, are you putting your eggs in the bigger Anscombe basket or would you like to see more game time for Sheedy? Because there's a lot of talk at the moment about whether Lola Sierra comes in and starts getting more minutes in the build up. Um, so, that other people in Wales are much
0: bigger fans of Callum Sheedy than I am uh, right. because he is supremely talented did very well particularly the the game against england and the six nations where he came off the bench and he made a line break you know he was slotting kicks you know he was superb um he is very capable of making big blunders at important times of the match and hey you know that's the sort of you know we're talking about quade cooper in this conversation (laughs) you know the sort of fly off i'm on about um i think that one one way around or the other ans and bigger are probably the two best options for wales at the minute i think obviously i love the fact that they call Prieston back in priest he had a great game against the all blacks when he came on um he's 34 years old so it's it's there's a question of whether he'll be a, a viable option come the world cup i'd love to see more of him and see if he's still up to it because he's been exceptional for wales in the past and hopefully can be again in the future um it's worth blooding sheedy seeing what he's like you know whether we can get those moments of capitulation out of him because god knows bigger was the same when he was younger um so, yeah, I think that typically the way around is you go with Anscombe starting bigger on the bench as the kind of closer. With Anscombe's long-term injury, he probably can't manage more than 45 minutes in an international game right right now. But maybe come the Six Nations or, you know, next year's autumn, we'll maybe see that axis working a little bit better again. And, you know, like I, I rate um, no, Noel Alasayo really, really highly. I think he's an exceptional kicker. He's he's got his head screwed on how to organise a forward pack and he's got confidence beyond his years. So um, I think it would be great to see him get a few more minutes. And um, even though he wasn't obviously meant to be on this tour, I think that he's he's got a lot of very positive rugby in him and he really suits this Wallabies team.
1: It does seem like it's sort of fallen into his lap quite nicely because the time at home would have been great. But just, I mean, so many of this uh, Wallabies squad have never been in Europe. So the fact that they get a chance <laughs> to do a bit of this before hopefully touring next year, but of course, like the World Cup, just as many games as possible, just touring and getting yeah. used to that sort of movement's not a bad thing at all. But look, let's have a look at who we actually think will win. Um, I, I know without the teams it makes it hard because there's so many uh, question marks over some positions, but if we were to put, um, you know, money where our mouth is, where would, where would you rate uh, Wales chances this weekend?
0: Wales chances of um being in a really good position to win in the 79th minute I think are exceptional. Uh, Wales chances to blow it in said last minute um in the 80th minute uh, are probably exceed even those. Um so naturally I'm a pessimist and I've watched this before I've seen Wales play Australia. The Wales Fiji game went exactly how I thought it would based on previous Wales Fiji games. So based on previous Wales Australia games I'm struggling to see Optimism through the, through the for the final whistle.
1: Look, I, th- I think it's going to work out well because I'm actually I'm tipping Wales. So we're, we're both you? pessimistic. Yeah, we're both. Um, yes. <laughs> so one of us will be happy. I guess that's nice. Um, hey, yeah, that's good. But yeah, I, I think seeing the Scotland game and just seeing the mm. England game and that England game played out exactly as all the others have, which does make me concerned about you know the ability to learn and improve from that um, because. We're always competitive and then it blows out at the end and there's seemingly an intercept thrown. That seems to be par for the course. Sure. Um, and yeah. my concern now without Hooper, without you know, our best player, but also our, you know, captain. I know that's the same for the Welsh side at the moment, but I, I sure. think there's probably other leaders who can stand up around Wales. I think Hooper probably mm. is in a bit of a class of his own at the moment for the Wallabies setup. So
0: Yeah, agreed. And you know, the Wallabies rely on him heavily. Yeah. Um, rightly or wrongly.
1: What I'd like to make is the wager for this game for um world rugby. I presume they're listening, they normally do. Um, yeah, yeah, naturally. Whoever wins this match should have the uh world player of the year breakthrough. Uh, sorry, the world breakthrough player of the year. Um, allotted to them, I think. Between Kellaway and Reece, Hammett, I- I've been really mm. impressed with both of them. And Not yeah. to discount, um, you know, the-, the other names coming through, but these guys are just showing that they've got. Supreme class, and I know that Kellaway doesn't have the speed of recent, Like that try that he got against Fiji is just yeah. disgusting to look Unbelievable. at. Unbelievable, yeah. It's it's really shaping up for a really nice matchup. I think there's enough in here yeah. that they sort of balance each other out this side, So, you know, um, I, I think as mentioned before, if, if the set piece battle swings either way, that's probably going to be the team that wins it
0: yeah yeah i think it's probably going to be objectively quite an entertaining match i'm going to be an anxious wreck so i'll fail to see that but yeah no it, it should be good And i think that again crucially both teams will probably learn quite a lot from this test match ahead of their next campaign in 2022 you know i think this is so far from a dead rubber from two teams who obviously have probably underperformed by the standards they would hope for so far this autumn uh it's it's far from a dead rubber i think um and hopefully both teams learn quite a lot from this
1: my i think my biggest hope is now that we've seen the sort of result the rassi uh hearing we've heard a bit of news about that i mean that's a whole podcast in and of itself but my big hope is that in the future if you're doing a podcast around the autumn internationals that the dick of the day doesn't go to the referee because i just i'd love to see a game just flow through i know the number of minutes that there's actually been ball and play the number of yeah. tmo referrals i I'd, I'd just like to see sure. two teams with really exciting backlines and really sort of
0: yeah
1: uh, inexperienced forwards coming together and delivering what i think is actually gonna be a really impressive um performance
0: yeah and it's it's kind of the the squidge policy you know um that <laughs> it's so much more exciting to talk about the rugby skills than it is to talk about the refereeing you know it's it's so much more enjoyable it makes the game better and you can talk a a little bit more objectively about it rather than saying the referee should do this and it's like you know we're here to watch watch the game i you know i'm not a pro referee you know i i shouldn't be it shouldn't be uh discussing those things too loudly you know
1: but i think one of my first coaches is Number one message was no matter how the game plays out, 50% of the fans are going to be mad at the ref. So there's no point, yeah. you know, even bringing them up because, you know, they're, yeah. they're going to find that he's aggrieved them somehow. So, yeah, oh, I, exactly. I like that viewpoint. Um, well, thanks so much for coming on, chatting about Wales. Oh, thanks, man. No, for, thanks
0: for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Oh it's nice to get um as many opportunities to talk properly as possible and I think um for the listeners hearing something that actually has a bit of a clue about what's going on up north and just isn't me guessing <laughs> about the URC and stuff like that it's it's um it's going no, to be really y- valuable. your
0: knowledge has been good man like I will give you that you've uh, y- you're looking good
1: <laughs> uh, for people that are listening just know that I actually have a mustache that is hitleresque at the moment I'm trying my best <laughs> in November so will is saying that figuratively I am not <laughs> I am not uh Let's just say um, ready for TV. This is all radio.
0: <laughs> now, I, I thought you were doing your best Nick White impression.
1: I mean, this is my best Nick White impression. Sorry. It's just a shame it's so far from the mark.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm aware that could be perceived as a massive insult, given he is, as I say, a pest.
1: You know what? I think um, to, what was the quote? Pissant is it? Or piss boy? A Little piss boy. Piss that, boy. Yeah. From the most recent video. So I think that's probably a good note to leave on that um, Yes, I, your host, will be going out looking like a little piss boy. So <laughs> uh, from Will, from I, thank you very much for listening uh, and yeah. enjoy the rugby this week. Cheers,
0: Mitch.